Thank you guys so much. I almost just want you guys to just stay up here the whole time and just kind of line behind me. I really like the part where y'all like step back and then you step forward again. Like y'all are ready to go. I'm, I'm glad to be back. I didn't get to go on quite the trip that we had planned two months ago, but we were able to get away for just a little bit. But man, it's so nice to be back in our mission and to see most of you. You know, not everybody. I don't want to pick out anybody in particular, but I mean, there's some people that I've already, okay, I've made eye contact with Rusty and Lynn so we can go on. We're going to start off doing something a little different, as you can imagine. Um, I have a, a, a little um, illustration I want to use. For those of you who know or don't know, um, I'm kind of a woodworker hobbyist. I'm not a super craftsman, but I like to do DIY things and things like that. And so uh, I just want to introduce you to uh, one of my tools and talk about it for a minute. Uh, but before I do that, I need to talk about like what we even use this for. Uh, this is called a table saw. It can, it can cut a lot of different things, but mainly it cuts wood. So I want to talk about wood for just a second, in case you didn't know. Um, it, it at one point was alive. It was a tree. It's been cut down. But if you can imagine it, it's almost like thousands and thousands of super tiny straws that are all put together like this. Okay, And so it has a grain to it. And when you get into woodworking, it's super, super important to know is that it can swell, but usually when it swells, it's going to swell this way because these straws will expand widthwise, really lengthwise. Uh, and so that's important to know, especially when you start cutting. Now, there's a lot of different tools that you can use. Uh, there's drills, um, but saws is really the main thing that you use to cut with. Uh, there's circular saws, there's jigsaws, there's reciprocating saws, there's band saws. But the one that usually sits like prominent in a woodworking shop uh, is going to be a table saw. Think about a table saw for just a second. Uh, underneath uh, this housing, there's a blade uh, that is about, oops, there it goes. It's about, uh, it's, no, I was going to say about, it's exactly 10 inches in diameter. Okay, and so this thing is going to spin on a typical blade, uh, on a typical saw, it's going to spin about uh, 3,450 um, revolutions per minute. So for those of you who are math nerds and you like that, this is a 10 inch blade. If you figure out um, the uh, circumference of the blade uh, that works out to about 2.6 feet um, and so spinning um, it, it's going to spin 3,450 times and is um, 2.6 feet that works to just a hair over 100 miles an hour is spinning coming in about 101.9 miles per hour. So I know some of you are baseball players. Um, I don't know if you've ever, uh, Mike, have you ever faced somebody who threw 100? I mean, that's 96. And at night, you can hear the ball and you can hear the sound of it hitting the mitt, which is just pop sound. This and at five miles an hour faster, but instead of having 60 feet, six inches for that ball to travel, you're usually standing just a few inches away. And so there's something that's known as kickback. That's when uh, the, the blade is spinning and it catches the wood and it throws it back. 
And so it's going to throw that piece of wood back um, at a, a little over 100 miles an hour. Uh, I've, I've seen dents uh, in garage doors from where a piece of wood hit. Uh, there's been uh, lots of folks that have been injured by kickback. But the other thing is, if the wood doesn't kick back, you can make a mistake uh, and you can get your finger caught in this thing. In fact, the table saw is the most dangerous tool in woodworking. Over 4,000 people go to the hospital each year from a severe table saw injury. True story. Years ago, when I was a youth minister in Mansfield, I met one of the older gentlemen. He was also a woodworker, and he was missing a finger. And I asked him, I said, how did you lose your finger? He says, well, I was, uh, I was working at the table saw. He said, I, had a, uh, I, I kind of lost track, and I, I cut my finger off. He said, I grabbed my finger, I took it to the hospital, and, and amazingly, they were able to attach it back on. And they wrapped it up. He was good. He went back to work. And that same day, as he was working, his gauze got caught in that table saw blade and did it again. And then they went on. These are incredibly dangerous. Right? Okay. And so there's safety gear that you often uh, want to wear. Um, this is not so much safety gear, but it helps a lot. You can wear your little apron. I'll go ahead and put it on just so um, I, I know that it is, it is, there we go, that I'm in workshop mode. Okay, I don't, I didn't think about how it would affect my mic, but maybe I can clip it. Probably would be just as fine. Anyway, you'd be able to sleep easier. Um, you have uh, safety glasses that you want to wear. Always wear your safety glasses. So I'm going to, woo! It's good to clean them up every once in a while. Uh, ear protection, which is important. I know some of you are envious. You wish you had these on right now, but I get to wear them. But I don't think I need to because I don't know that you can hear me at all. I can't wear those, but we'll, we'll pretend as And before dusk, uh, dusk masks were cool, uh, woodworkers... Uh, wearing because dust particles they get uh, and they can cause all diseases you always want to wear your dust mask and so all those things are really important that you have now just so you know I want you to get the sound of what happens when I turn this on just it would take me all of about Whoever muted my mic, thank you. That was brilliant. Um, the, it, I mean, it would be a second, and there would be carnage, and it would be terrible. Um, I'm, I've actually been doing woodworking for over 25 years. Um, I, I do have all my, my fingers, um, but I, I do respect the fact that at any point... Now, there's a couple more things I want to talk about before we do anything. Remember, we talked about this is like a bunch of straws, right? So if you're cutting it long ways, that's known as a rip cut, okay? And in that case, you're going to use this thing, which is known as a rip fence, okay? So you have to set it just right, get it where you want it, like this, okay? You, you need to use a rip fence when you're cutting. You never ever to the table saw 
and just stick it in there without having it up against a fence or, or what I'll talk about in a miter gauge in a second. Okay, super important, you use the rip fence. But say you want to cut it this way, right? You don't use the rip fence. Let me say this again. Never, ever use the rip fence if you're going to cut it. Because these grains are coming like this. It will catch it. It will bind. It will kick back. And it will be disaster. If you want to cut it this way, you use something that's known as a miter gauge. Okay? And a lot of things, but just, just it cuts nice. It slides in this little groove, and so you put this in, and you push it forward, and there you have it. So that way you can cut. Okay, you never do a cross cut, use the miter gauge. You never make a rip cut and use, I mean a, a, a rip fence. You never do a cross cut and use, uh, you never do a rip cut and use the miter gauge. Okay, does everybody get that? So you mess up on that one, and like bad, bad things will happen. A hundred miles an hour bad. I mean, this is these blades are super sharp. Uh, they're made out of carbide, and they will just they will go through human flesh in no time. Over four thousand injuries. I, that's over ten a day. And these woodworkers are working at night. In the daytime, that means every hour somebody is going to the hospital in the U.S. because of a woodwork because of a table saw injury. Okay, so I've said all of that. I need a parent who wants to volunteer their child to come up here. Oh, oh, good. Here we go. Are you coming up here? Come on. You're going to come join him. Okay, come on, both of y'all. I want y'all to come up here. Here we go. Now, I know Jack, and I know that Jack is, he can fix anything. And who's this young man you have with you? I don't think I've ever seen him before. He filled out a visitor card. Yeah, he filled out a visitor card. Okay, so here we go. I, I, because you are old enough, I'm going to let you do this. Okay, do you think you can handle this? I don't want to do this. So, what, what would it take, Connor, for you to be like, okay, I'm ready to use the table saw now? Uh, probably a week or two of training. Okay, oh, a week or two of training. Uh, maybe, maybe the instruction manual probably would be helpful. Uh, and that's kind of old school because you guys now, it's like, oh, I'll just go, I'll YouTube it. Like YouTube, like here's what, and I, I have not done this. I would be very careful if you YouTube table saw um, safety, you might get some pretty gory videos. So I'm not, I mean, you might see some people who are now called lefty. Okay. I mean, it's, it's a pretty bad thing. So, but, but I just want to make sure like you, if you ever use table saw, you're going to use glasses, right? And you're going to use a mask, right? And you're going to use your uh, ear protection, right? And you're going to use gloves, right? Yeah. No. No, you didn't know that, did you? Don't ever wear gloves around a table saw. Why not? Because it can get caught. You do not want to wear gloves. I know everybody, oh, I should probably put on gloves. So with all of that said, 
100 miles an hour, sharp teeth, loud noise, it's loose fingers, and you're a great basketball player, I might could beat you if, if you were only dribbling with one hand. Yeah, you'd, oh, you're counting how many it would take, how many you'd have to lose before I could beat you. Well, at least you pointed to your right hand, because I mean, I, I probably can do that. Okay, so, I'll let you off the hook today, and I will not make you do it, but you can go sit down, both of you, you, you guys did great. Okay, so, why did I waste all your time, like, I, is anybody like, oh, wow, I want to go get into woodworking now? There's this little verse that that we read about in Matthew 7, and we're going to get to Mark 14 in just a minute, but there's this little verse we read, and it's at the very end of this amazing sermon that Jesus preaches that we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's the last one. We talked about it two weeks ago, but I don't think we really get the gist of it. I don't think we fully understand when Jesus says, listen, there's these two guys, they're both builders. One is going to build his house on the sand, another is going to build his house on the rock, right? And we know the story, we know the song. What happens when you build it on the sand? Okay, so I don't know why I've never ever thought of this, but I always thought of that as a financial loss of like, oh no, you had a house that fell down, that's really bad, insurance is not going to cover it, you're out all this money. But then I realized something, what do you do in a house? You live in it. When he's talking about these houses, he's not just saying you walk home one day and your house is not there, he's saying you're living in a house that at any moment is going to collapse. Think about that. How many of you would tell your kids, go into that structure, it's really bad, it might fall down any minute, and just go live there. It's okay. Probably nothing is going to happen. Years and years and years ago, I was just about to turn 15. Some kids broke into the church building that had been my home congregation since I was a baby. I just remember going through that place. They broke in there. They messed around a little bit. They got some songbooks, put them in the middle of the auditorium, doused it with copier fluid, set it on fire, and left, and just burned that place to the ground. That was the Friday before spring break. And I remember that because I spent my whole spring break up there at that building, and we were trying to recover things, save some things, especially in the teacher's workroom, things that had been made, that, and, and for some crazy reason, that thing was just nearly burned to the ground, but that teacher's workroom was one of the places that somehow, you know, just uh, survived the fire. But it was still, I mean, there was that smoke smell, and I remember talking about, like, we, we weren't allowed to go in certain areas of that, that big building because it, was, it just wasn't stable. I mean, metal poles had bent over from the heat. And it was like you have to be careful about where you step, what's below you, and what's above you. You weren't allowed to go in there and just hang out and have fun. The place that I grew up in where we ran and chased each other and laughed and sang songs and all that stuff, it was like you weren't allowed there anymore. Because it's just too dangerous. Jesus has like the most amazing sermon ever. 
And then at the end of it, he says this. If you hear what I say and you don't do it, it's like living in a house that's about to collapse. Like, I know some of you, like, you've heard, like, the creaking. Have you ever woke up in the middle of the night and heard the creaking? Or have you ever woke up when there's been a thunderstorm and just heard this loudest rumble and thought how scary that was? Can you imagine constantly living in a house? Can you imagine the anxiety of knowing that at any moment your life could end? You could get trapped, right? I just wanted to bring this up. More than anything else, because I, I just, one more time, I want you to hear this. I'm not trying to bang on the pit and just scare Because I also want to know, like when, when we're called to live a certain way, it's because God is mean and hateful and no fun and he's a killjoy. Like, I just want you to be mean while you're here. He says, I want you to know like there's dangers involved in doing the things. If you choose not to follow my will, there are going to be consequences for that. It's going to be messy. You know this. You know this because you pick up the newspaper and you read. And you read story after story after story of heartache and loss and murder and violence and hate and hate and hate. And that's where it is. And there's a lot of reasons. But we didn't just wake up one morning and say, hey, why don't we take our newborn child and throw it in the trash? There's something that happened before that. Or people who weren't paying attention, people who weren't listening, and now there are consequences of that. And these guys in the garden, they're about to figure out that there are consequences. As we looked at two weeks ago, Peter has already promised that he would not deny Jesus. We've read ahead. We know what's going to happen. They go to the garden, Peter, James, and John, along with Jesus. Jesus falls down, he's weeping, he's sweating, he's, just, he's crying, he's begging. And he says, God, if you can find another way, plan B, audible. If there's any other way we can accomplish what needs to be accomplished, let's do it. I'm ready for that. But if, but if what you need is for me to go to that, then I'm just going to follow you. Now, I want there's a couple more stories. I want to look at one this morning uh, as we continue on. It's this, starting in verse 43 of Mark 14. Just as he was speaking, that's Jesus, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared with him, uh, and there was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Jesus said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The man seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing nearby drew his sword and struck the sword of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Okay, so as I want to pick up on the two questions we asked several weeks ago. Question number one is, 
Where was the fall? Who messed up? There's, there's a couple of people. Judas. Okay. And, and there's a lot of speculation. Judas thought that Jesus wasn't doing what a king should do. Oh, are we are we going in and out? Oh, okay. Let's do this. Okay. Judas Judas I think was probably pretty frustrated with Jesus. Because in order for Jesus to be the king that he needed to be, he needed to continue to amass followers. Jesus was saying some things that, were, that was causing people to leave. And when they were leaving, Jesus didn't do anything to stop them. And when it came to money, Jesus didn't seem to care about accumulating it. In fact, he seemed to care more about the people who gave just a little bit of money than the people who gave a lot of money. And you kind of needed the Pharisees on your side. You don't really like them. But I mean, nothing brings two enemies together like another common enemy. And so if you can get the Pharisees on your side, then, then you have a shot of overthrowing Rome. And Judas knew what needed to happen and Jesus wouldn't do it. And so then what happens next? Somebody pulls out a sword. Now Matthew doesn't tell us and Mark, of course, doesn't tell us and Luke doesn't tell us, but John is going to snitch. Who pulls the sword? Peter. Peter pulls out his sword and he goes to cut off the ear of the high priest. And we also know from John that his name is what? Anybody know this Bible trivia? Malchus. Malchus loses his ear. Uh, and if you look into the, the three different, uh, four different tellings of this, Malchus actually used, loses his right ear. Okay, so that can only mean one of two things. Either he's running away from the situation or Peter is quite possibly left-handed. Now, I don't want to hold that against Peter. I don't want to suggest he's a left-hander, but for all you left-handers out there, you might be swinging with Peter. He pulls out his sword, cuts off the ear of Malchus, and Jesus says, stop it. No, 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 no. That's not what this is about. And this is the big deal about swinging swords and losing ears is because they didn't understand what Jesus was trying to accomplish. And this is going to upset some people. And some people aren't going to like what I'm about to say. But you have to remember that God's will isn't always our will. We just came out of a really terrible situation Two or three years ago, I've lost. It was basically 2020. Man, where, I, how long ago was that? Remember? And the fighting that went on? It's amazing how many people said, I think we should act this way. And I think I can use the Bible to show you that this is how we're supposed to act. And you have people on the other side of that argument who said, I think this is the way we're supposed to act. And I think this is what the Bible says about that. 
And people had decided, they had taken their beliefs and put it onto the Bible and said, okay, because, because uh, I, I believe that, that masks are bad, the Bible says you shouldn't wear a mask. And the government's telling me to wear a mask. But my rights as a citizen say I don't have to wear a mask. You remember that fight? And then people were walking around with masks. And they said, the Bible says that we should wear a mask. And they decided that the people on the other side of that argument were wrong and unbiblical and unchristian. Is this too soon? Is this too soon to talk about this? Do you remember that? And, and honestly, I'm proud of this congregation because you were fantastic. If you disagreed with each other, you pretty much kept it to yourselves. I've talked to dozens of ministers who their churches are still living along because they drew lines about masks and about when to meet and about six feet and all of a sudden half the people left. And here's the sad thing. Here's what statistics have shown us. A lot of them left the church and they never came back. They didn't go to another place. They gave up on worshiping their God because they got in an argument about a little thin piece of cloth that would go over your face. And I know this is stepping on some of your toes. But Jesus says, look, when I say love your brother, when I say love your enemy, when I say be kind to those who hate you, when I say pray for your enemies, he means it. He means love the people that you disagree with. And here we have Peter who thinks this is how it needs to be done. You know, so many of us want to pull out that sword and say this is how we need to retake Christianity for this country. But Jesus didn't win with a sword. He won with a cross. And how can we follow Jesus? It's by putting up our sword and loving people, sacrificing for people that we just don't like. It's not just, it's certainly not American, but it's definitely what Christ did for all of us. I know this last weekend was probably, last week was probably difficult for some of you. Some of you sat around a table with somebody that maybe you don't really like right now because of something that they said, something that they did. They weren't there when you needed them. They didn't help take care of your mom when she was sick. They said something about your son, and you had to sit at that table. Or maybe even worse, maybe you chose not to sit at that table with them. Or they chose not to sit with you. And Jesus says, look, you got to love the people that you don't like. Even family that have hurt you. We're called to that's 
That's how we have victory in Jesus. That's, that's how we overcome the world. It's because we don't give in to the hate and the bitterness and the rage that just seems to multiply. We offer love and forgiveness for people who don't. And the reason why is, is because we're those people who need that love and forgiveness. And it's been given to us. I just want you to know that Jesus went through the worst possible pain and the shame and the guilt just for you. And he wants you to understand that you are loved and that you are forgiven. And he's calling you this morning to love and forgive as well. So this morning we're going to sing a song of invitation. And maybe you want to come forward and say, you know what, I haven't lived the, lived the life I want to live. Or I'm dealing with bitter bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, and I really want to let go of this, and I just need help. Or maybe you just want to do that right where you are. Maybe you can turn to somebody beside you and say, look, can we go have lunch? I need to talk. I need somebody to pray with me. If there's any way that we can help you this morning, please come as we stand.